Welcome to Arbel Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Mark Whitehead. Today, we're going to look at Numbers chapter 28 together. The title of this lesson is An Appointed Time. As we continue to walk through Numbers together, we, we've come to a, a very important moment. Back in Numbers 27, we discussed that a change was happening in the leadership. Moses wouldn't be the one that would be leading the people into the promised land. Instead, Joshua would be the leader of the people. But before the people continued in their journey, God needed to remind them of the sacrifices He wanted from them. Listen to Numbers chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel, and say to them, You shall be careful to present my offering, my food for my offering by fire, of a soothing aroma to me at their appointed time. You know, I have a constant fear that I'm going to miss some important date. Call me crazy, but I, often I stop and I think through the dates of my wife's birthday or, or anniversary or holidays or um, my kids' birthdays, but I just worry that what if I miss something that I should have celebrated? The reason why is appointed times are important. I never want to miss a, a key date. In Numbers 28, Moses was to tell the Israelites to be careful to present their offerings at their appointed times. The word the Lord used for be careful is shamar. And it means this. It means to guard proactively, employing offensive and defensive measures to protect. That's a big word, and it's written in the imperfect tense. It means that God wanted His people to continually make sure their offerings were given at the time He instructed them to give the offerings. As we continue to unpack Numbers 28 and 29 together, know that these chapters, they closely parallel Le Leviticus 23. The difference is that there is a slightly different emphasis in these chapters, in Numbers 28 and 29. See, Leviticus 23 focuses on the worshipers, while Numbers 28 and 29 focus on the priests. But anytime God repeats Himself in Scripture, He's emphasizing the instructions for some reason. See, offering sacrifices of animals doesn't really make a lot of sense to us, right? Why would God want His people to take the life of an animal on His behalf? Well, first of all, we need to understand that the life of the animal being offered was well, as well as the life of the offerer were gifts to God. Both were. Listen back to Genesis chapter 1. God created man in His own image. In, in the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them. He, he, God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's Genesis 1, chapters, or excuse me, verses 27 and 28. Our life is a gift from the Lord. He created us. What about the animal? Well, it is also a gift from Him. He created them as well. Don't miss the fact that God instructed man to rule over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
See, we're special to God because we were created in God's image. And as the people offered the life of an animal in sacrifice, God viewed that as a celebration for the life he gave the offerer. He says that the offering was a soothing aroma to him. He loved when his people made these sacrifices to him. As the smoke went towards heaven to enter the nostrils of God, he was pleased. Now let's briefly discuss these burnt offerings because I think that will help us realize God's desire for our worship today. Why were burnt offerings pleasing to the Lord? First of all, know that burnt offerings were perfect and unblemished, the Bible says. They, had ab- they were absolutely pure. In addition, burnt offerings were completely given to God. The entirety of the animal was consumed at the altar. Finally, burnt offerings returned life to the giver of life. See, Jesus is our burnt offering. He was the perfect and complete burnt offering. Ephesians 5.2 says that Jesus was an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. He He completed the need for all of the daily and yearly sacrifices that we're going to discuss in the next two chapters. But I believe God wants our very lives to be burnt offerings for Him. I also think He wants us to walk as Jesus walked. See, in the New Testament, there are several places that make this point. 2 Corinthians 2, Paul calls followers of Christ a sweet aroma and the fragrance of Christ to God. Essentially, Paul's saying that a burnt offering is the best description of a believer. If that's true, that means our lives are to be perfect and unblemished. That's impossible, right? Well, I know. But thankfully, the blood of Jesus cleanses our hearts and it makes us pure. That's Hebrews 10, 22. See, we see this idea all over Scripture. Let me give you a few more examples. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 10, 17. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. In Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. This is hard for us to understand, but when God looks at us, He sees perfection. Because Jesus' blood covers all our sin. Because of the blood of Jesus, we have the the capability of being an unblemished burnt offering to Him. Not only are we to be unblemished to be a burnt offering, but we must be given completely to Him. Just as the entire burnt offering is consumed, this is what He expects from us. He wants our entire 
lives, all of us. Does he have that in you? Luke 10, verses 25 to 28 say this. A lawyer stood up, put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Well, what's written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Listen to Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's easy to say that we have given him our entire lives. But do these verses really describe us? Do we love him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind? Would others say that about us? Would the ones that know us best say that all of us is devoted to Him? Or are we holding anything back? Paul says that he has been crucified with Christ. He no longer lives. It is Christ that lives through Him. If you've been crucified with Christ, you no longer have an agenda. You're now on Christ's agenda meaning he gets to call the shots of where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do. He gets to call the shots of how the money in your bank account is spent. He gets to call the shots on how your time is spent. Have you been crucified with Christ? Can you say that you no longer live and that he lives through you? See, it's only when we get to this point that our lives can be a soothing aroma to Him. We can't be a burnt offering to the Lord until we understand this concept. There's still one other place in Scripture that explains our role as a burnt offering. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, our job is to be a burnt offering to the Lord. He is to get all of us. We are to have our lives completely devoted to Him. It's the only way that the sacrifice is acceptable. So don't be conformed to this world. Don't be deceived by what the world tries to offer you. It's not worth it. Instead, be transformed. Be completely devoted to the Lord in everything you do. Then your life will be a soothing aroma to Him, just like a burnt offering. As we continue in Numbers 28, verses 3 through 8, we read about these daily offerings. Each morning and each evening, a one-year-old lamb was to be sacrificed along with a tenth of an ephah, that's two liters, of finely ground flour, and a fourth hen, about, about a liter, of olive oil. 
This was the same offering commanded to, to at Mount Sinai when God wanted the people to consecrate the tent of meaning. They also had to prepare a drink offering at these sacrifices. God wanted them to offer these sacrifices every single morning, every single evening, even when it's hot. Yeah. Even when it's raining. Absolutely. Every morning, every evening. Yes. It was to be a continuous reminder to the people as they begin and end each day that their lives were to be devoted to their creator, the author of life. At verses 9 and 10 in, in Numbers 28, talk about Sabbath offerings. So every Sabbath, God wanted his people to offer double portions of the daily offerings. So it was two one-year-old lambs and two-tenths ephah of finely ground flour. So why was this Sabbath offering so important? Well, in the Torah, there are three reasons that God wanted his people to observe Sabbath. First, he wanted his people to, uh, he wanted a people that rested from work, just like he did during the seventh day of creation. Listen to Genesis 2.2. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Secondly, God wanted his people committed to their relationship with him. He loved them. He wanted one day of every week with them. Therefore, he created a date day with his bride. He, he married her at Mount Sinai. That's Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Later, he calls the Sabbath a sign of his people's relationship with him. That's Exodus 31, 13. So the Sabbath was the wedding band of his faithful bride. And the third thing is that God wanted his people to remember how he delivered them from Egypt every Sabbath. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. It was a day, the Sabbath, to remember God's salvation. It was only after Israel was delivered from Egypt that they began to celebrate the Sabbath. Did you know that? Therefore, the Sabbath reminds the Jew that there was a day coming when there would be a Messiah that would save them, just like Exodus. So every Sabbath to a Jew is a day to look forward to the Messiah coming to save them. So Jesus came, and he came proclaiming that he was Lord of the Sabbath, Matthew 12, 8, and that he would provide rest for your souls. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. The Sabbath is important to God. So important that he wanted a double portion of the daily offerings every Sabbath. He wanted his people to understand how much the Sabbath mattered. And that's why he gave him the instructions in Numbers 28. So even today, Jews understand the importance of of observing Sabbath. It's his date day. It's God's date day with his bride. So when God looks at how you observe your date day with him, what does he see? Does he see a man or woman who is madly in love with him and shows him that love by being consumed by him on that day every week? Or is your Sabbath just another day of the week? 
Would the world even notice your wedding band to your Lord because of how devoted you are to Him on your date day? The Sabbath is important. The Sabbath is important to believers today too. Numbers 28, so we continue, verses 11 through 15. God gives His instruction on monthly offerings. Rosh Kodesh. The Hebrew calendar was lunar. So the months began with the new moon. At the beginning of each month, God wanted His people to offer two young bulls, one ram, seven male lambs, one male goat, a grain offering, a drink offering. All of that was a reminder that He was their creator and He was their sustainer. As they made these offerings, the people were to bow, excuse me, to blow shofars. That's Numbers 10.10 and Psalm 81.3. Originally, monthly offering was a big, big deal. So in Amos 8.5, we see that trade and commerce were suspended. The people had a huge celebration at the beginning of every month. But the Lord began to despise Rosh Kodesh in the 8th century B.C. Why? Because the people were not seeking justice. They were not taking care of the orphan and the widow. They were not being what God called them to be. So he said that he hated their new moon festivals. That's Isaiah 1, 14. They were a burden to him. He wanted them to repent and to be concerned with the things he was concerned about. I wonder if God ever looks down at us and gets frustrated with how we do church. You see, these people were simply going through the motions. Sure, they were obeying God to have a monthly celebration and an offering. But they were so far away from being concerned about the things he was concerned about that it wasn't funny. Therefore, God looked at their monthly offering and he says, I hate that you even do it. I want you to repent. I want you to get back on the path I have for you. I want you to be concerned about others around you, just like I am. So what's your attitude about church? Is it just something you do because you feel like you are supposed to do it? Are you just going through the motions, or, or do you really have the heart of Jesus? And are you really concerned about the things that He's concerned about? See, there's no heavenly bonus points for church attendance. God wants your heart. He wants all of you. He wants to use you. So let me ask you a question. Does he have all of you? Beginning in Numbers 28, 16 and going through Numbers 29, the text begins to go through seven feasts of God's calendar. In our next podcast together, we're going to look at those seven feasts together. But let me just finish this podcast by asking you a few questions. Does God have all of you? Are you really a burnt offering for Him? Secondly, do you have a day set aside for the Lord that tells the world that you're married to Him? What does your Sabbath look like? Does God look forward to spending time with you on that day every week? Third, Are you really concerned about God's preferences? From cover to cover in the Bible, His love for everyone is clear. 
Jesus lived a life of going after sinners. You know, it breaks my heart when I read that God was so frustrated with his people not being concerned about the things that concerned him, that he told them to quit observing Rosh Kodesh. Oh, how he hates when people just go through the motions and think they are doing him a favor. How's your heart? Are you really concerned with the things that concerned him? You know, as believers in Christ, appointed times are important for us too. And you may think, oh, this is just Old Testament. Guys, the New Testament teaches us something pretty important too. See, Numbers, excuse me, Romans 10, 15 says this, How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. That word beautiful means a proper timing that is beautiful because it's fruitful. See, God has appointed times for all of us. Every scene of our life, God has certain things He wants us to be doing on His timing. And when we do those, Romans 10 teaches we have beautiful feet because it's in God's timing. So our role as believers is continually to listen to the Lord's voice, to obey His Spirit. As He leads us, fruit will be produced through our lives. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. As always, you can go to our website, rbellministries.com. Feel free to connect to us, rbellministries at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, at rbellministries. I look forward to our next time together. We'll see you then.